Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. What's driving the conversation in California today? Every weekday at this time, we explore a topic that's making news in our state. This is the state of California. Hey, good afternoon. I'm Doug Sovereign, KCBS political reporter and host of the state of California, along with Patty Rising and Jeff Bell. Well, COVID-19 is most definitely surging again in the Bay Area and across California with positivity and daily case rates jumping. And many patients report that their infection has been much worse than the mild cold that they had come to expect. And now there is concern about a relapse after initial improvement. Yeah, I cannot even count the number of people in my social circle who have come down with COVID over the past month, and the number of daily cases statewide has more than doubled in that time. For more, we're joined today on the KCBS Ring Central Newsline by Dr. Bob Wachter, chair of the Department of Medicine at UCSF, whose own wife is just recovering from the coronavirus. I spoke with him just a short time ago. Thank you for being with us once again. So first of all, I'm glad to hear that your wife is on the mend and you remain negative. How are things going in your household? Well, she's on day 11 after uh, treatments. A little bit, bit worried about Paxlovid rebound. That seems to be the topic du jour. She hasn't gotten it yet, but we're still being a little careful around each other. Uh, 11 days out, she still feels a little brain foggy, and she still needs a nap every afternoon. And so this idea is it's like a cold. Is <laughs> It's not like a cold. It's pretty you know, pretty bad nearly two weeks into it, nowhere near feeling normal, but, yeah. but a little bit better every day. Yeah, I know so many families who've just been hammered by this latest strain over the last few weeks, really knocked flat. I mean, in bed for days, high fever in some cases, not the, oh, it's just a cold that they'd heard from so many people. What do you think is going on right now? Well, I don't know that the cases are any worse. We're certainly not seeing a huge surge in hospitalizations. You know, UCSF, Today, we've got about 15 COVID patients, and in January, we had 150. So so this disconnect between the number of cases, which is a very large number, and severe cases is is real. But to me, the most striking thing is a lot of people, I'm sure you know plenty too, of friends and family who who have steered clear of the virus for two years have gotten it in the last month. And I think it's a combination of this variant or subvariant is much more infectious than prior ones. Uh, partly evades the immune system and uh, and people are being a little less careful and you know which I completely understand I think it's uh, we're two years into it and and where we are now may be a version of normal for the next several years so people are making choices and in Katie's case she was teaching at a workshop and they you know they just ate meals together and that didn't seem like a indoors didn't seem like a huge deal but 23 out of 50 people at the workshop ended up getting it so you let your guard down a little bit with this much COVID around in the environment and this infectious variant, and there's a decent chance to get it. And she has had two boosters. So, you know, having being boosted is what kept her, I'm convinced, from getting very sick, along with taking the antiviral drug Paxlovid. But it's no longer good enough to prevent you from getting infected. So if dropping our masks and socializing more is playing a role in this wider spread that we're seeing, should we be reinstating some of those earlier precautions that we were taking? I think there's a difference between mandates and, and, and personal choices. 
I think it's reasonable at this stage of the pandemic uh, and with the public's pushback against masks, even even in a place that's been very careful like the Bay Area, I think it's reasonable to have a pretty high threshold to do mandates. But as an individual, I can tell you that we're way above my threshold for being careful. So, you know, my number uh, that I've used throughout the pandemic is when we get down to below 10 cases per 100,000 people per day in San Francisco, I'm comfortable eating indoors. I'm semi-comfortable being in indoor space without a mask. That number today is 50. Not So the, my threshold is 10. The number is 50. And the number probably is 200 because 50, it's got to be about a fourfold underestimate. The number you get today, you know, are the PCRs that people got from formal testing. They don't include any of the people that got home tested. So my wife, who just tested at home, she's not listed in the San Francisco database. So it's about 10 to 20 times higher than the threshold that I want to see before I'm comfortable that the person sitting at the next table or the person standing next to me in line at the supermarket doesn't have COVID. I think it's prudent to be careful in an environment like that. You mentioned the relapse, the Paxlovid relapse, which I've been hearing about, where somebody gets better, tests negative, and and then gets sick and tests positive again. Can you explain what the, what's going on there? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I can explain that it's happening, <clears throat> uh, and, and, and we don't know the frequency. You know, the frequency might not be quite as high as it seems because you hear about it a lot, but that's, it's amplified because it's interesting and weird and and social media and all that stuff. So we don't really know the frequency and the clinical trials of Paxlovid that occurred in 2% of people, but it really doesn't feel like 2%. It feels like it's going to turn out to be at least 5 or 10%. It's not clear what's going on, whether Paxlovid effectively attacked your virus and therefore blocked your immune system's response a little bit, or, you know, I'm hand-waving. We really don't understand it very well, but what, what happens is people feel better, and Paxlovid clearly works, and this is not an argument to, to not take Paxlovid. You should if, if it's indicated. It lowered the hospitalization rate in the clinical trials by 90%, so it's still an incredibly useful drug. You should take it if you're in a high-risk group. What happens is you feel better. Your rapid test goes from positive to negative, and then on about day 10 or 12, all of a sudden you start feeling a little crummy again, and you do a rapid test, and lo and behold, it's positive, and it is a real positive. You you have the infection again, you're capable of transmitting it, you need to go back into isolation. The good news about it is in every case I've heard of, it lasts again for that second time by for three, four, five, six days. I've not heard anyone get super sick from it, go to the hospital. So it's something we need to understand better. We don't know whether you should treat, maybe five days is too short for that initial treatment. We don't know whether you should be treated again. The recommendation right now is not to. But much, many more questions than answers right now about it. And it's only happening with people who take Paxlovid, right? Well, it's interesting because in the clinical trials of Paxlovid, it turned out that 2% of people with Paxlovid had it, but so did 2% of people that got placebo, hmm. meaning that some people have COVID, get better, test negative, and then test positive again. So there's some baseline rate of that happening. But it does seem to be more common now uh, in people who actually took Paxlovid than, than just the baseline rate of people who just have COVID. You mentioned that your wife has been boosted twice, and Governor Newsom today got his second booster. He's promoting that everyone get one, or get two in this case. Um, do you think that this latest form of the BA2 variant, it's more infectious but less powerful, or is it that so many people have already built up some immunity from those boosters, from the vaccines, that when they're exposed to it now at last and get it, it's not hitting them as hard as it would have otherwise? It's sort of a combination of everything that 
that the the boosters are really helpful in preventing severe disease. If you've just gotten your two shots and haven't gotten a third or a first booster, you definitely should. There's no question it lowers the rates of death and of hospitalization. If you're at high risk, an older person or have medical comorbidities, there seems to be value to getting the second booster. I got it. My wife got it. I think it's the right thing to do. It, we will lower the chances that you'll get very sick. The problem is it doesn't work as well as our vaccines used to work in terms of preventing all infections, and it doesn't work for very long. So in the trials of the second booster, it gave you decent protection, although not as good, uh, for a couple of months, but then that protection began to wane. And it does look like the newer versions of Omicron uh, evade the vaccine better than the prior version. So you're not as well protected, it's not as long, and the, va- and the virus is better at infecting you than previously. That said, you want as much immunity as you can uh, in the face of that virus. So that is none of that is a reason to not get vaccinated or boosted. It's a very good reason to get vaccinated and boosted, but also to recognize that you're not bulletproof. I mean, you still can you can get two boosters, get four shots. And still, if you go out in an indoor space that's crowded with this much virus in the environment, there's still a decent chance you'll get infected. More than two years into this pandemic, we thought we'd be rid of it by now, but we're not. Dr. Bob Wachter, chair of the Department of Medicine at UCSF, thank you so much for being with us. My pleasure. You can hear the state of California every weekday at 3.30 p.m. It's also available on the Odyssey app and wherever you get your podcasts. You can find me on Twitter at Sovereign Nation. I'm Doug Sovereign, KCBS. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.